welcome everybody to nwczradio.com, Channel One's Down the Rabbit Hole. My name is Big D. And I'm Brandon. Brandon, it's good to have you, man. How was the big trip? It, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of alcohol. So <laughs> I figured she, she my, Amber got the, the drink package. I was going to make sure I made it worth my while. So there was a lot. Did you and get a really did cool you get a part is, in a movie? Did you get to yeah. um, you know hang and rub shoulders with uh, the boys and the crew? I got to hang and rub shoulders with a few of them. Um, you know, Ethan's a plea. I got to do a walk with him. Um, I got pictures with Jay and Silent Bob. Um, I can't wait to see those. It was a lot of fun. And then what was really cool too is they took a lot of things from the movies and brought them into the cruise. Like there was like they have the the restaurant movies. That's in like all of his movies. Right. He always has the restaurant movies. They had a movies on board. So you could go get the cow tipper burger and everything that they always order at movies. Um, all the drinks had names that were relevant to some in the movies. Like the one, the Bahama Mama, which was the one I drank most of the time, uh, was called the Boo Boo Kitty. Yikes. Which was, that was the name that he, that, that, that he called his girlfriend in, what was it, Jane Silent Bob, you know strike back or whatever that was the nickname that he gave his girlfriend so but they always had just random stuff like that so it was it was cool and then like i was telling big d before we started they had a couple script readings for mall rats too so i know what mall rats too is supposed to be about so it's pretty cool so did they just read a couple of scenes or did they how long did they read through this script um they read for oh it was probably about an hour and a half oh that was quite a bit so of it then it was quite a bit they went they went quite right in into detail on what Mallrats 2 was supposed to be about. Nice. Well, welcome back. Glad you made nice. it and had a good time. And welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of Down the Rabbit Hole. Again, I want to remind you, you can reach out to us down the RH at ProtonMail.com, down the RH at ProtonMail.com. We always love hearing from y'all and getting suggestions and complaints and Whatever it is you want to throw our way. <laughs> yeah, and we get we get all of the above, so. Yeah, we do, definitely. We get challenges, we get complaints, we get suggestions, and we get a lot of kudos, a lot of kudos. So we appreciate yeah. everything. Yes. So this week, we're going to try and put this into a concise package. This is a squirrely topic, and I don't mean in the in the way that we can't handle it. It's just, it goes in so many different directions. Yes. And so there's a base point and then it just it's like an octopus. It goes in multiple directions. So we're going to try to rein it in and hit the highlights of it. That way it's a jumping off point basically for y'all to go do your own research on this because it literally goes into the CIA, Knights of Malta, Bilderberg Group. It goes into the Catholic Church, the Pope, yeah. the Venetians, a lot of stuff. What we're talking about is today is something that we have mentioned multiple times on past shows, and that is the black nobility. Yeah, this is one of those ones. This is this one was fun because, like you said, it's mentioned on on a lot of past shows. So before we really, I really went into it. It kept coming up, but I never really looked deep into it to figure out what it was, you know. And the hard part is, is a lot of people immediately when you say the black nobility. They they think of black nobles, and and it has nothing to do with the color of your skin. This is a whole different thing. 
Exactly. Yeah, this has nothing to do with race or color of your skin or anything. And, and we'll get into the, the reason why it's called the black nobility. But we're going to start, I think, it's because it goes back deep. This is going to be a history lesson in a lot of ways. We'll kind of bring you up to the point where it splits off and we'll tell you in which direction it goes. Uh, I don't think we're going to have time to cover all those directions today. But let's go back in time to early BC. We're talking about in the 200s. In Carthage, the Canaanites at the time called themselves the Punics. And Rome, of course, was attacked by Carthage in 264 BC and basically tried to kill or enslave every Carthaginian that they could find. Now, the Edomites were descendants from Esau, who later intermarried with the Turks to produce the Turco-Edomite mixture, which later became the Khazars. And they're still out there. So you have the Canaanites, and they eventually adopted another name. All of this converged at one point to become known as the Venetians. So you're going back early in time to these tribes who were splitting up, intermarrying, vying for power. And then the power bases all came together, became known as the Venetians. And they did this by basically intermarrying each other's tribes the, to the, the royalties yeah. and, and the aristocrats of each tribe. They became known as the black nobility. Now, the Venetians are an interesting group, and we'll get to them in a moment. But one of the books that I've recommended highly in my book reviews is this book by Jim Mars titled The Illuminati, Secret Society that Hijacked the World. And he has, it's not a full chapter, but it's a, it's a large portion of a chapter about the black nobility. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. If you have this book, it's on page 314. You should have this book. And he talks about the Illuminati, the Knights of Malta, and Catholicism, CIA, governments, and so forth. He says, the Knights survived medieval persecution by allying themselves with the Vatican. He's talking about the Knights of Malta. And even participating in the persecution of its enemies. Likewise, many of Europe's royal families, themselves usurpers of the thrones of the Morovians and others, worked in partnership with the Vatican to maintain the status quo. These royals are referred to as the black nobility. And then he goes into sort of this breakdown. We've talked about the Knights Templar. And when the Knights Templar, according to uh, Mars here, when the Templars split, remember we talked about that? They sort mm -hmm. of met their downfall through the church. Um, yes. When they went down, the remaining ones scattered. Well, some of them became the Teutonic Knights or what's called the Hospitallers, and that mutated into this Knights of Malta. They sort of started off, that's what they were called, the Hospitallers, because they started off as assisting people once again, kind of like the Templars did, where they were helping people to and from the Holy Land. But they, according to this avenue of history, according to Mars, Remember we talked about what happened to all the, 
all the booty and all the money and everything that the Templars yes. had hidden away. We didn't know where that went. According to him, there's a lot of suspect that these hospitalers who later became the Knights of Malta, they're the ones who ended up with all this money, which is how they started all these hospitals and so forth. No, no, no organization like that would just randomly take money from people. It says in 1522, this order of the Knights of Malta relocated to the island of Malta where they would become the sovereign and military order of Malta or simply the Knights of Malta. According to this, today the Knights of Malta are headquartered in Rome under the direct supervision of the Pope and are recognized by more than 40 countries as sovereign nations. And this is where it really gets interesting. A British offshoot known as the Knights of St. John of Jerusalem this is the Protestant order, which is headquartered in London as well, headed by the royal family. Prominent Americans connected to the Knights of Malta include CIA directors William Casey, John McComb, former Chrysler chairman Lee Iacocca, columnist William F. Buckley, Joseph P. Kennedy, U.S. Ambassador to the Vatican William Wilson, U.S. Secretary of State Alexander Haig, and it goes on. There's a, whole, there's a ton of them. Also, Joseph Rettinger of the European movement is the father of the Bilderbergs. And according to this, the Knights of Malta are believed to be one of the primary channels of communication between the Vatican and the CIA. No, the Vatican and the CIA can't talk. That's no. So what does this all have to do with the history and the Venetians and so forth? Well, according to most accounts, black nobility were these oligarchic families of Venice and Genoa, Italy, who in the 12th century held the privilege of trading rights that basically they had monopolies. And they also funded and helped run the first three crusades from 1063 to 1123, which established the power of the, of the Venetian black nobility and solidified the power of the wealthy ruling class. So it was in about 1171 when they completely took over Venice and transferred what was known as the Great Council, which consisted of members of the nobles, among them the famous Demici family. According to this, Venice remains in their hand ever since. See... You have to go back in time and understand that at one point, Venice was the center of the trade world. Mm -hmm. And so by all these families, these noble families coming together to form this black nobility union, they basically took over all of the central banking going on around the trade and the trade routes. So essentially, they ran everything. Any business in the world as far as trade, as far as moving goods, as far as banking, loans, everything went through this black nobility. There's all kind of accusations that the black nobility uses secret assassinations, murder, blackmail, bankrupting, kidnapping, rape, and so on. At one point when the population revolted against monopolies in government, as anywhere else, the leaders of the uprising were quickly seized and brutally hanged. So the black nobility, weren't, they weren't playing around. They were, <clears throat> that's where the Knights of Malta came in because they were their heavy hand. Yeah. So you had this, all these families 
who have all intermarried. They control everything. They have all the wealth. And so they hire basically these the, the Knights of Malta who are cook, hooked up with the Catholic Church. And they have all the money that was taken over time by the Templars. And you have this sort of collusion of all the world's power basically in Venice, which is why they were called the Venetians. Mm-hmm. So who are these families? And I think that's the interesting part because these are a lot of families I'm not familiar with. If you're listening around the world, maybe you know these families. Most of these I've never heard of. There's the House of Bernadotte out of Sweden, the House of Bourbon out of France, the House of Braganzi from Portugal, the House of Grimaldi in Monaco, and the House of Gulip from Britain, which according to everything, they're one of the more important ones, like the most important one. You have the House of Habsler from Austria, and the second most important one would be the House of Hanover out of Germany, and you have the House of Nassau out of Luxembourg, you have a House of Oldenburg out of Denmark, House of Orange from the Netherlands, House of Savoy from Italy, the House of Wetton out of Belgium, and then it goes on. You have Liechtenstein, Yugoslavia, Albania, all these houses, all these families, all these lords. And they are all connected, all intertwined. We've heard this our whole life about oh, the British royal family. There's a lot of you know, intermarrying there. Oh, this is why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is also where the, I'll say, quote, modern version of the Illuminati, when we talk about a lot of the families, uh, you go back through our families of the Illuminati, they all intermarry. And I'm not talking about they, some of them actually marry within the family, first cousins and so forth. But yeah. they marry into each other's families to keep the bloodlines mm-hmm. pure, to keep them connected, to keep them all in charge. They do not want to go outside. They don't want to bring outsiders in. It's one of the reasons that Princess Diana, that was such a big deal. Yeah, it was because she was not part of the families, you know, and that's one of the things you see in a lot of the old movies where it was even if you didn't if you didn't marry within your family, you married within one of the other families. So you had to keep, you know, you couldn't marry outside the the families. According to Wikipedia and again. Wikipedia is Wikipedia, but it's always interesting to see what they have to say. They actually have quite a decent page on it, but in the history section of the black nobility, they say, despite the relatively recent name, the black nobility has existed for centuries, originating in the baronial class of Rome and in the powerful families who moved to Rome to benefit from a family connection to the Vatican. So there you go. Once again, The Vatican comes into play. Many of the members of the black noble families also became high-ranking clergy and even popes. Black nobility families are still in existence, including notably, and goes through a lot of the same list that I just put out there, all these families. There was a time when they basically ran not just the world, they ran the Catholic Church, and some people believe they still do. There was a a time for 59 years that the Pope confined himself to the Vatican City and claimed to be a prisoner 
in the Vatican City to avoid the appearance of accepting the authority of this new Italian government and state, thus the Venetians. Yeah. A lot of people call them a global crime syndicate that control the planet. There was obviously, there was a riff one time, and I don't think we need to get into the entire aspect of it. There was a riff one time in the Catholic Church, and these families sided with Pope Pius the ninth that sort of set off this chain of events where they became connected to the Vatican. Now the head of this black nobility family who is in the shadows, a lot of times people don't know who they are or if they put somebody out there, it's often seen as a, a ruse. It's not really the real person, but they call that person the black Pope. Yes. And again, the black pope is it's not because of his skin color. It's because they're in the shadows. They're in the darkness. They are the unseen hand, as they say. And the black pope, yeah. by all accounts, is the one who's actually pulling the strings of the, quote, white pope. And again, not skin color, but the one who wears the white robe, the pope that everybody sees. The charge is, is that the black pope actually pulls the strings telling the white pope what to do. Yeah. That that pope that you see that is in the Vatican that comes out and, and does his thing is merely a puppet. And a lot of people are really believing that this pope that's in there now is a huge puppet, major puppet, because there's huge rifts going on in the Catholic Church. If you're not aware of what's going on in the Catholic Church right now between the traditionalist and the Pope, it's an all-out battle for the soul of the Catholic Church. It really is. Yes, definitely. It's, it's definitely interesting just to see all of everything that's happening within the Church and all that stuff that most of us don't hear about. We don't know about it. Unless so. you're a Catholic and you're really involved and even I would say even a lot of just nominal or not that aware Catholics may not even know what's going on up at the top, the schism that's going on. Yeah. It's heavy. It really is. I've been paying attention to it for quite some time. I don't quite know how to do a show on it because I'm not Catholic myself. I respect my Catholic brothers and sisters. And But what's going on in the Catholic Church is amazing. It's really amazing. So... One of the things that in this black nobility outside of these families, what they do and, you know, the Rothschilds learn from this and the Rockefellers learn from this. They just did it in a different way here in America and around the world. But these families would set up what they called orders. I'm going to go through a few of these and you tell me if it doesn't sound like what we're seeing in the Illuminati families. One is this Order of the Garter. You ever heard of it? No. Well, it's only the oldest and most senior order of chivalry in Britain. Each year, it's celebrated with a procession and service in the, on the grounds or in the grounds of Windsor Castle. In medieval times, King Edward III was so inspired by tales of King Arthur and the chivalry of the Knights of the Round Table, he set up his own group of honorable knights called the Order of the Garter. And today the order includes the king, who is the sovereign of the garter, several members of the royal family, 
24 knights chosen in recognition for their work. And it's a super secret group. I mean, sometimes you know who's in it, sometimes you don't. But they set up these things because this is where they hide their money and it's where they get together and they talk about things. There's also the Order of the Golden Fleece. The Which is very interesting. That's something we should cover sometime. It gets very weird. Yeah, we, we should do an entire show on the Order of the Golden Fleece. Also, you have the Teutonic Knights, which is a thing. The House of Savoy, which is the European dynasty. And again, uh, this is from Britannica.com. House of Savoy, historic dynasty of Europe, the ruling house of Italy from 1861 to 1946. During the European Middle Ages, the family acquired considerable territory in the Western Alps and France, Italy, Switzerland, and so forth. In the 15th century, the house was raised to ducal status within the Holy Roman Empire. So this isn't small fry stuff. You have the no. Wang Chuck dynasty. The Wang Chuck dynasty has governed the district of Trongska and the, were the descendants of Dunkar. They eventually overpowered other regional lords and earned the favor of the British Empire. They had the royal family of Bhutan and more commonly known in English as the King of Bhutan, who was basically known as the Dragon King or the Thunder Dragon King. This Wang Chuck dynasty ruled government powers in Bhutan and established relations with the British Empire in India under its first two monarchs because of the trade routes. You also have the Forza family or the Dukes of Milan. The Forza family was one of the most powerful families in and around Milan for about 100 years from 1450 to 1535. The line was founded in 1411. They were very much involved in papal politics and are featured in several series about the Medicis and Borgias, which, of course, are two of the heavy, heavy hitters. And it goes on and tells you about all this family, the family lineage. Did you see this thing about the city of London? No. How this, <laughs> this figures in. All right. This was kind of a side rabbit trail because of some of these houses and the these groups and so forth. I kept running across this thing about how they, they kept talking about this uh, city of London and how the city of London is not what it seems in its own entity, kind of like the Vatican and so forth. I've never heard this. So the great majority of people assume that the phrase the crown and the city in reference to London refer to the queen or the capital of England. However, this mm -hmm. is not so. The city is in fact a privately owned corporation and sovereign state occupying an irregular rectangle of 677 acres, approximately one square mile, and located right in the heart of Greater London. The population of, quote, the city is listed as just over 400,000. The square mile that constitutes the city has its own mayor, laws, courts, flag, police force, and newspapers, characteristics of all three independent city states, such as Washington, D.C. and Vatican City. They are, in effect, countries within countries. The true identity of the crown, however, is kept most secret, but nevertheless, it was the crown-controlled Bank of England that took and assumed control of the United States during the Roosevelt administration when its agent, who was in reality a crown agent, J.P. Morgan, assumed control of 25% of American business interest. 
The crown, they say, is a corporation. Great Britain is ruled by, quote, the crown. And the city of London, which controls the Bank of England, a private corporation. In other words, the city is a private state existing in Britain within the very heart of London. It became a sovereign state in its own right in 1694 when King William III sanctioned the privatization of the Bank of England and handed it over to the banksters who today rule the financial world. Mm. And it's the same, basically it's the same thing that happened when we had our handing over of all of the U.S. stuff over there on Jekyll Island. Yeah. And according to this, today the city-state of London is the world's ultimate center of financial power and the wealthiest square mile on the planet. So why do I bring that up? Well, because according to the charges here and what I'm reading, you have the black nobility who set up shop originally in Venice to control all the banks. There was a bunch of banks. At the time, they took over the Banca or Banca Commercial of Italy, Banca Privata, Banco Ambrosiano, the Netherlands Bank, Barclays Bank, Barco de Colombia, Barco de Uberto America. According to this, of special interest is Banca de la Svizzeria Italiana, since it handles capital investments to and from the United States, primarily in dollars and U.S. bonds, located and isolated in neutral Lugano, the flight capital center for the Venetian black nobility. And this all was set up by this Gulfs, Gulfs the G-U-E-L-P-H, in order to aid their control of finance and politics, which eventually developed into the Rosicrucians, Unitarians, Favus Society, World Council of Churches, East India Company, and Committee of 300, and so forth. So, City of London. They transferred all their power, basically, from Venice when that fell apart and it became a, a much bigger world, and Venice was no longer relevant to their needs. That's when they transferred it to London, all this financial capital. I'd never heard of the City of London thing. Hmm. That is a new one on me. I hadn't seen that, and I didn't see that in my research either. According to this, the, and I, I know I'm butchering this name. I think it's the Gulfs, or Gulfs. It's G-U-E-L-P-H-S. It's one of the families. It's like the head mm -hmm. family of the black nobility. They supported William of Orange in his seizure of the throne of England, which eventually resulted in the formation of the Bank of England and the East India Company. And if you know anything about history and about trade and about that time when they were moving about the, the seas, the, basically the East India Company ruled everything. Yeah. This whole thing would rule the world from the 17th century. And according to this article, all coup d'etats, revolutions, and wars in the 19th and 20th centuries are centered in the battle of the Gulfs to hold and enhance their power, which is now, quote, the new world order. Said so by them. Also, That's what they tell you, but it's the new lizard order. We all know it's the new lizard order. They might be lizards, man. I've never seen one. Yeah. I, this is, that's why they call them the black nobility. They are out there. They're in the dark in the shadows. They're hiding the shadows because they're lizards. Right. 
It says that the power of the Gulfs would extend through the Italian financial centers to the north of France in Lombardy. All Italian bankers were referred to as Lombards. Lombard in German means deposit bank, and the Lombards were bankers to the entire medieval world. They would later transfer operations north to Hamburg, then to Amsterdam, and finally to London. And again, according to another article, these gulfs would start the slave trades to the colonies. The gulfs, in order to aid their control of finance and politics, would perpetuate Gnostic cults, together with the East India Company and John Stuart Mill would finance the University of London. Also, according to this, they put a bunch of money into London University. They donated a ton of money for the study of, quote, mental health, which began the worldwide, quote, mental health movement. In a secret treaty, 1822, it's called the Treaty of Verona, which was between Austria, France, Prussia, and Russia. The Jesuits agreed to smash the U.S. Constitution and suppress the freedom of the U.S. Their methods included destroying free speech, destroying and suppressing the press, universal censorship, sustaining the corporation of the Pope and clergy to use religion to help keep nations in passive obedience, and financing wars against countries with representative governments. The monarchs who signed this treaty were ultimately deposed, most of these families are very wealthy and may be more powerful today than they were when they sat on the throne. Privately, these families refuse to recognize any right to rule except their own. Sound familiar? Maybe a little. I mean, you look at what's going on now. What, what has been the constant struggle throughout history of the United States, whether it was when the you know, free press first started, whether it was when radio first started, when TV was, you know, first become a th became a thing. And this constant, who's going to control the information? Who's going to put the information out there? Who controls the industries that put the information out there? And we know for a fact that even to this day, Bill Gates pays for positive press. No. Yeah, he buys interviews. He buys people off to publish articles i mean it got blown out of the water i mean that became a thing when uh william blethen no was it blethen whatever blethen the guy who ran the seattle times inadvertently said it at a meeting one time that they were hurting as a paper and if it wasn't for bill gates uh him paying them to put out basically propaganda pieces they they would be in trouble and that opened a whole can of worms i bet it did that, uh, that couldn't have been good at all. No. According to this, this is another article I'm looking at. Prominent on the board of two insurance giants are committee of 300 members. The Giustiani family, black nobility of Rome and Venice, who traced their lineage to Emperor Justian and also Sir Jocelyn Hambro of Hambro's Merchant Bank. There's another one I can't pronounce, but they're from the Black Nobility of Venice. And Umberto Ortolani of the ancient Black Nobility family of the same name. Other Venetian Black Nobilities on the Committee of 300 are the Doria family, financiers of Spanish Habsburgs. Ellie de Rothschild, of course we know them. Baron August von Fink, the second richest man in Germany. 
at the time, now deceased, but his family has all the money. Franco Bonacasi of the ancient Orosini black nobility that traces its lineage to an ancient Roman senator of the same name. The Alba family, whose lineage dates back to the great Duke of Alba. Baron Pierre Lambert, cousin of the Belgian Rothschild family. According to this, and I, if you've listened to my midweek show, you know this name, Brzezinski. He's, um, he, he's one who's given lots of, or used to give lots of warnings about things that are going on. He says, in this regard, a French black nobility member, something the Avignon, as a member of the Committee of 300, was assigned the task of collapsing the steel industry in the U.S. It's doubtful that any of the hundreds of thousands of steel workers and shipyard workers who have been without jobs for the past decades have ever heard of Diavignon. Talks about different Swiss black nobility who's owners of banks. Also, apparently they all, a lot of them joined into this committee of three of 300. And if you want to know more about that, get John Coleman's book, The Committee of 300. It's pretty amazing. It says, almost all European royal houses originate from the House of Hanover and thus from the House of Gulf, G-U-E-L-P-H. I know I'm saying that wrong, but I can't help it. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> They're better known now as the Windsors. Yeah, I've heard of them. And today the Windsors rule by dominating the raw materials market, and for years they have fixed the price on gold, a commodity they, ne they neither produce or own. The House of Windsor also controls the price of copper, zinc, lead, and tin. It's no accident that the principal commodity exchanges are located in London. Companies run by black nobility families are British Petroleum, Oppenheimer, Lonhro, Philbro, and many others. Another black nobility family are the Grosveners of England. For centuries, this family has lived, as most European families, on ground rent. Today, the family owns at least 300 acres of land in the center of London. The land is never sold, but is leased on a 39-year 39 39 leasehold agreement, the ground rent of the Middle Ages. And it goes on. I mean, it's like it talks about the black nobility of the founders of the secret societies of our day from which all others are connected, the Illuminati, Committee of 300, Club of Rome, Bilderbergs, Round Table, and so forth. It's like we mentioned in the very beginning. They, they, the tentacles. So that's the only word I can come up with to make it like work in my brain. Tentacles, like a, like a, an octopus. They, they, they touch everything, everything. Well, yeah, and I'm just gonna say one of my problems with this is going down this rabbit hole. It's very hard to really narrow down into okay who are the black nobility and why are they there because depending upon which source i'm getting it from it's sometimes 10 families other times it's 15 families and i'm looking at one now where uh, it's like a hundred families yeah it'll say like some of the most important bloodlines of the black nobility are and it goes through this long list i understand the concept of these bloodlines. I think that is true. It's history that there were ruling families early on, it, way back in history. Because man's desire has always been to collect, 
be wealthy, be rich, and be powerful. That's nothing new. And some have it more than others, and I think these families obviously had it, and that we know that there were pharaohs and rulers and all this stuff going on. Yeah. So it also doesn't surprise me that in order to maintain that, you make concessions with other families, you intermarry, you connect yourself to them, them to you, and so you have this sort of, you know, this bond and colluding against the rest of the population to stay in power and to, well, we don't like the way, you know, that group over there is doing it, so we're going to go attack them, we're going to wipe them out, we'll take over everything, and, we'll, and then we'll be, even be richer and have more power because we've taken all their land. That's been the history of the world since day one, yes. basically. Oh, yeah. But it is interesting to me that there was a time when things became much more, because you, you think we have a small, you know, we th all think we have a really small world now. Like, man, the world's so small. You can get here, there, and everywhere. That is true. But think about when it first started opening up. When you realize you could send a fleet of boats hundreds, if not thousands of miles away, get a bunch of stuff and bring it back and sell it. And that became really the first multinational, you know, long range commerce. If you control that, you basically control everything. Everything. Then on top of it, control the banks. And who was the most powerful force outside of the banks and commerce at the time? Oh, the Catholic church. So if you corner all three of those markets, you basically run the world and you can dictate how the world goes. And I'm going to just go right back to a lot of what we talked about with the Illuminati. The linchpin in all of this has always been the United States. When the United States formed, it freaked them out. Oh, big time. Because of our constitution because of the way it was set up because they said, nah, we're not doing that. And so they've been at the throats of the United States and I'm going to extend it. I'll say Canada, you know, maybe a little bit of Australia and so forth, but they're very loyal still to England. I think there's some, there's some dark room ties there where push came to shove. Like, like they're loyal over there. We're always, America's always been the, uh, redheaded stepchild of that equation oh yeah big time you know the rebels we went out on our own we defied the, the king and you know basically told him where to shove it and you know, all of that stuff well we know from going back into our founding fathers there were multiple attempts to hijack even them to change mm -hmm. the course of america oh major if that's the case and they've been hammering away, it's been the same thing. Control the information they get. Control how they operate. Try to control the kids. Try to control commerce. Try to control the banking. Try to control everything. Because once you control it all, then they can, because now the world's way smaller and this is why they keep talking about we need one world government we need one world commerce we need one world stakeholder we need all these everything's one world global one world it's all the same word 
global this or one world that or a new mm -hmm. world order. All of that's easier to control. Yeah, it's all the same thing. And if they can't do it by force because America's gotten so big and they've, you know, fortunately bucked any attempt that's ever been foisted upon them, well, you know, we can do it by other means. Maybe maybe through a, a virus or maybe through misinformation or disinformation. Maybe we just start clamping down. Maybe we get the right people in office. And I do think multiple attempts have been made through history where they've tried to hijack presidents, where they've tried to hijack Congress and all this stuff. Oh, big time. You know, we say, oh, well, that's the Illuminati or that's... That's the World Economic Forum. That's whoever, whatever. Nah, that's too obvious. Because if it was just the World Economic Forum or just the Bilderberg Group or just whatever that we can all see, touch, recognize, it wouldn't be too hard to just go in and say, uh, we're not doing that. Thank you very much. Just move on. But there's something behind that that's funding it. There's an idea. There's uh, pressure. There's strings being pulled on a constant basis and it, it's like death by a thousand cuts where's it coming from everywhere yeah i think it's coming from whether it's the black nobility is actually in charge and that's who the illuminati are because i like i said on my midweek don't get thrown off by the term illuminati i don't even know if the illuminati call themselves the illuminati no, I don't think so. I think that's become, uh, you know, there was a real Illuminati that Adam Weishaupt started and it supposedly disappeared or whatever, and it was they were called the Illuminati. But I think it's just become a catch-all phrase for the unseen powers, the ones pulling the strings, the people behind the curtain, the black nobility, those who hide in the shadows. That's what we're trying to get at here is who are they? How did they get there? why are they so animate at controlling everything? They, they want control. It's all about the control. And so earlier on, we mentioned that it branches out into supposedly the CIA and all of this. And I did find that fascinating. And I think we're really going to have to go down that rabbit hole. But getting back to the book by Mars, he says that, First of all, the Knights of Malta, who are the heavy hand of the, uh, obviously, the black nobility, that they basically work hand in hand, and they are the CIA. Because he says, who are the Knights of Malta? According to the whistleblower Zagami, the Knights of Malta are, quote, the most powerful group known to man. He stated, if you think Illuminati and Freemasons are the ones ruling our world, then you better check your real history books again. Who are the Knights of Malta? They are your CIA, your politicians, your lobbyists, your previous, present, and future presidents. The Medici family, which produced four popes for the Vatican Church, are not just powerful. They are the family related to the black pope. The black pope is the most powerful pope in the world. If you think your regular pope is the main pope, then you're missing it big. If the white pope... Your regular media pope is the CEO, then the, then the black pope is the president of the company who has the authority to fire the CEO. And he goes, hmm. into quite, he goes into quite a bit of detail 
about how he believes or how a lot of people believe that the Knights of Malta basically infiltrated and operate the CIA in America. And as we know, the CIA is almost, it's basically an entity to its own. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people conflate FBI, CIA. FBI is Federal Bureau of, of Investigation. The CIA basically answers to the CIA. They are like the shadowy government of the United States, without a doubt. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on or what party you're in. The CIA operates in such secrecy. Both parties can point to it and go, oh, they're doing the business of them and them and them and them because nobody really knows. And yeah. anytime they get called before a committee or to answer questions, they can never remember. Things disappear. They have no clue. Uh, don't ask. Can't talk about it. It's ongoing. Like they are their own entity, and we don't even know what all they do. No. So, are the black nobility, whatever the unseen hand? I don't know. I just know that there was a group of people early on who did control the banks and trade and everything. And they gathered basically like the world's wealth. So what did they do with it? What did they, did they just disappear? I don't think any of them disappear. I think they just, they, they do kind of like what we talked with Illuminati. It's, is the Illuminati still around? Maybe not known as the Illuminati, but there's something still around. They they morph into something else. They definitely morph into something else. Because we don't know. And they started all these the knights and they started these groups and the, the you know, the noblemen and all these this the these things. It's it's that's a trick that I that we see often with these groups. Now it's charitable groups, obviously foundations yeah. and so forth but this this was the er, this was early on where they didn't have those things these weren't tax shelters this is where they just went and did their secret stuff so a lot of them kind of went under the radar but the money has stayed i mean i was looking through some of these families and they're worth you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars and so i almost wonder every time every year it comes out who's the richest person on the planet why don't they do the richest families it's always a singular person, you notice. Because it's easier to hide. Like, like you said, if you're a singular person, it just looks like you have money. If you look at how much like a, a family has, that's going to blow it all out of proportion. Right. Where all of a sudden you're going to see people like these the, the families that you mentioned suddenly appear and people are going to be like, wait, who are these people? And it's like we've said, I think with the Illuminati and a lot of these secret societies, when they suddenly step out from the shadows, we're all going to look at them and go, who is that? Yeah, because I've even seen, I'll just take the Walton family who owned Walmart, because Sam B. Walton died, it got all divided up among his kids, and his kids are all, they're all very, very wealthy, of course. So individually, if they're on the list, they're way down now. They're like, they're yeah. within, you know, maybe in the top 20. Put them together, and they're, right near the top and that's just the walton family i mean think about these no these nobility families who have money from the 
beginning of time, basically, <laughs> and ha- own the bank. So they give them, themselves, you know, their own interest, and it's just grown and grown and grown, and they own everything. They own huge swaths of cities. They own countries. They own massive land. They own industry. They own. I mean, it's it's got to be in the trillions. There's no limit to it. Yeah. A lot of times when we wonder who's funding this, who's funding that, and, I, and again, we can point to George Soros and we can point to Bill Gates for this and that and the other thing, but a lot of times you hear about these groups like the World Economic Forum, like the Bilderbergs, like all these sec- supposedly secret groups, where how do they stay in business? How, how do they afford all these things? How do they afford the influence? Where did they come from? How did they just show up and appear and become influential? Yeah. That doesn't happen. If you and I and, I don't know, 20 other people decided to get together and have a think tank and came up with a lot of great ideas and presented to industry, we're going nowhere. But these guys are all of a sudden on all the news. They've all got books. They have free press. All eyes are on them, and they're supposedly super influential. You have to wonder why and who's funding it and how how are they put out there so fast? Well, it could be the black nobility. I'm not I don't know. I'm not saying it is. But it's a tough subject. It really is. It is because there's a lot of like I keep saying there's just a lot of tenant. There's a lot of different rabbit holes. Once you start going down, you're like, okay, this is kind of interesting. And then all of a sudden it's like, and it goes off in every different direction of, oh, hey, we've got, you know, the Vatican over here. We've got the the white pope and the black pope. And if you go deeper down that rabbit hole, they start talking about a gray pope, a third one, you know, and that's all part of it, you know, linked into the, you know, the black nobility. And then it just, you know, starts going into world leaders and royalty and the royal families and how the the bloodlines all mix into the black nobility and most of the the royal lines are also part of the black nobility lines i mean it, it goes it touches everything yeah that that was my biggest struggle with this one was there was no clear line it wasn't yeah. like this is the black nobility I've heard about the black nobility for a long time. I know the concept of the black nobility, but who the black nobility are, like the Medici family comes up a lot, so I assume they're involved. The House of Windsor comes up a lot. I assume they're there. That would make total sense. And then there's a few others in there that are the Italians and some of those. But yeah, this intermarrying where, oh, they married the you know, whatever from Luxembourg and then they married from Switzerland and they married from Norway and this and that. And then it became this huge, you know, conglomeration and the, it does get confusing. If you can figure it out out there, draw up a timeline, email it to us down the RH at protonmail.com because I've yet to see a cohesive timeline. One that was categorical in nature that I could truly follow. It's like all over the place. Yeah, they were everywhere. And I mean, it, and it depended on which, like you said, which site you were on and who you were listening to or watching or reading. It was a completely different timeline. But the one's consistence was the Pope, the Knights Templar, you know, the royal families. It was very consistent on those. 
But then uh, depending on which one you're reading, whatever, there was other ones brought in and other ones, you know, separated. But the the main ones they kept in there was the, the Catholic Church, the royal families, and you know, uh, I said another one. And the Venetians. The Venetians, yeah. It was an interesting exercise, I will have to say. It was challenging, yes. no doubt about it. But we tried to lay it out for you as best we could. And if it seemed disjointed from our, you know, from your end hearing us, I apologize. But that's about as cohesive of a layout as I could put together. Because yeah. it was chasing a lot of rabbit holes out of a rabbit hole. Yes. Like when the tunnel split, we talked about it being an octopus. When the tentacles went out, they went everywhere, and then it just it became almost a catch-all. So take it for what it is. When we talk about the black nobility, which is one of the reasons we actually haven't talked about them that much. We've mentioned them, but we have had people ask us, what are you talking about? What's the black nobility? Yeah. Well, this is our best shot at sort of presenting it to you as how we see it. So hopefully you enjoyed that it gives you a launching off point maybe you can understand it better than us so it's not going to hurt our feelings no all right well you have the uh, midweek edition coming up i do and we will be back next week with a brand new episode as usual have a great week i'm big d i'm brandon we're out of here see you later